0: Oh, Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information and entertainment. Hosted by Matt Smith and the hockey writers Blaine Padvin and Treg Toxic-Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered hockey discussion, entertainment and sometimes bad life advice. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvey, and I am joined now by one of my co-hosts, Matt the Air Force Hammer Smith. Good evening. And my other co-host and brother from another mother, Treg, I wish I had Matt's beard, Wilson.
1: Hello everyone. And who wouldn't want Matt's beard? It's a work in progress.
0: It, it it's a beauty. It's a work by Michelangelo. <laughs> uh, now you have a trimmer. You can take care, take good care of your beard.
2: Yes. Yep. That, that trimmer is not going to go anywhere near my face. <laughs> <laughs> Just use it there first.
0: <laughs> so uh, Treg, why don't you tell our listeners who we have on the show with us today?
1: Okay, I'm very excited about this and I'm very happy to say... Uh, that we, today's show, is going to be majorly taken up by probably one of the best persons we've ever interviewed. And that was that's Craig Button. Craig Button's on the show tonight, or today, or whenever you're going to listen to this. And uh, it was probably one of the best interviews I've ever done. This is probably one of the best shows we've ever had. Uh, it was just a pleasure to talk. It was such a pleasure to talk to Craig that it lasts for about an hour. Uh, so if you're listening to this show, sit back, relax, get a coffee, get comfortable, because uh, you're not going to want to miss it.
0: Oh, he killed it. He, he took the Habs Unfiltered name, he took Unfiltered, and made it his own.
1: Yeah, and he... W- we talk everything. uh offer sheets, silky GMs, everything. Everything.
0: He really pulled no punches.
1: we probably covered it. Matt even got a question in, so <laughs> honestly,
2: good. this was easy, easy, easily one of our best shows, um, if not the best show we've ever done. Uh, Craig was incredibly professional. Uh, loved having him and already looking forward to having him on the show again. It was it was that good. You are not going to want to miss it. And
0: this is saying a lot because uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. It's almost midnight. We just finished with uh, with Mister Button. And we're, we're still wired. It was that much fun. So once you have your coffee, sit back, relax. And when you come back from the other side of this commercial break, we will be joined by none other than Craig Button. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news manscaped just launched in canada for those listeners in canada you can be one of the first canadians to experience their life-changing products myself tregg and matt have all had trimming accidents it happens every man has there's nothing to be ashamed of that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com your balls will thank you are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford there is a no frills no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you No Name Hockey No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet when he retired he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one, or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock-quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names, and players currently making a name. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. We are joined now by our special guest, Craig Button of TSN. Craig, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, you know, as we uh, have a little bit of more of a plan for the NHL to return to uh, play, and you know, uh, uh, phase one lottery, you know, we got lots of stuff to talk about. <laughs>
0: Draft Lottery? What's what's that? <laughs>
3: well, you got to keep in mind, Draft Lottery, Phase 1 or Phase 2? <laughs> Are we talking placeholder teams or actual teams? Well, well fans in what, Montreal haven't your- been
0: talking about uh, the draft at all.
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's fascinating when you think about uh, the play-in round. And, you know, the, te- the eight teams that lose are going to have an equal 12.5% chance to get the first overall pick. And, you know, from a management point of view, I can tell you this. You know, you start to look at your team and you evaluate your team for what it is. Not for what you hope it is or, you know, if every single break goes your way, but for what it is. And, you know, I can guarantee you guys, there are general managers on those teams that know they'd have they rather have the 12.5% shot at one uh, because they know they have no shot at the standard jump.
0: Now, speaking of which, the, uh, the Canadians have been on record as saying they are not built to win now. So um, what kind of odds do you give them for pulling off an upset with Pittsburgh?
3: Well, I mean, I guess you have to allow for some type of, uh, of, of odds, but I would say they're very, very low. Go, if we go back to the trade deadline... You know, Montreal, you know, they traded. They traded their depths. I mean, Nate Thompson, Nick Cousins, go go out. Ilya Kovalchuk, who had come in uh, after being bought out in L.A., you know, g- g- gave them a little bit of a spark. But, you know, they clearly identified that they were going to be a team that was uh, uh, thinking about next season. So, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, on the other hand, were looking to add players. And, and they're going to get injured players back. You know, Jake Gensel, you know, Brian Dumoulin, who had missed a lot of games, comes back healthy. So, you know, we always look at it and say, okay, yeah, an upset can happen. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things that have to go Montreal's way. And part of it is is that they're going to have to max out every single one of their players. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have to fall short in, in a lot of areas for this to happen. And, you know... Uh, yeah, the possibility exists, but I would say the probability is 5% or less.
0: So that would that would leave the, uh, the Canadians sitting at either ninth or 1st. Um, we all know who is going to be number one. But uh, looking at number nine, if you were given a choice between a potential 25-minute two-way all-situation D man or a potential 30-goal man, who do you see as the better long-term impact pick?
3: I'm taking the 30 goal man because you got to keep in mind Montreal has has a number of defensemen coming in. And, you know, uh, when you consider scoring as such a key element of the game, when you consider that Montreal, uh, you know, needs to add more skill to their group, uh, goals don't come easy for them. And so when you can add a potential 30 goal scorer, those guys aren't uh, common. And, you know, when, when, when you look and you consider, you know, some of the defensemen in the system for the Montreal Canadiens, it's not an area they're short on. Now, you know, if, if you told me they had a shot at, a, at, at, a, at Jamie Drysdale at nine, I would say that might be something to consider because he's a right-shot defenseman, and, you know, yeah, I think he's a number one. Uh, but, you know, there's no other defenseman in this draft that I see as a number one, I I think there's a couple guys that could be top pair guys. But, you know, the, the scoring is, is an area that Montreal, to me, has to look to be adding. You know, they, they did it last year adding Cole Caulfield, uh, who's still a couple of years away in my view. And if they can add more scoring to their group, you know, it, it eases the burden not on the team. And, you know, one of the one of the challenges Montreal's had is, is being able to score. You know, they, they hold the puck. They they get some chances, you know, but when you get natural goal scores in there, you know, they don't need as many, they don't need as many opportunities to make good on it. And, you know, the other players can fall into line. and, And by that, I don't mean that in a negative way, but you're not asking other players to do things that maybe they're not as good at. And they can, you know, being, being in different spots in the lineup allows them to play to their potential or to their best potential in a better way. And that's,
0: that's the way I would look at Montreal. Okay. Um, now, we know that uh, people have been talking about tanking, uh, uh, saying that teams are tanking. Uh, tanking seems to be more of a management decision because obviously coaches and players would never want this. So what's your position on, on tanking and what circumstance, if any, do you think it's acceptable?
3: I don't think it's acceptable at all. I worked for Bob Clark uh, with the Minnesota North Stars many, many years ago, and heading into the 1991 draft, uh, we had our meetings in January, late January of that year, and our team in Minnesota was four points out of last place in the league, and that was the Eric Lindros trade. And so I, I'd be I'd be lying if we didn't sit down and talk about it and. What, what, what you might have to do uh, to, to be able to get an Eric Lindros and whatnot. But Bob Clark said, this is a National Hockey league. And he said, I am never going to be part of a league or part of a team where teams are purposely trying to lose. You know, you always have to try to be the best you can be. It doesn't mean being irresponsible or reckless or just trading away draft picks or young players to try to win. You have to be responsible. But to go the other way, he said, that is unacceptable in professional sport. That's the position I have. We know that there's teams that have tried to tank, and that's why we have the lottery system we have now. So while the teams might complain about, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, a placeholder team, uh, you know, somebody that's uh, that's higher than bottom seven getting uh, the first overall pick, you know, we've seen it in the last three uh, lotteries, you know, in, in, in 2017. Philadelphia moved from 13 to two. Dallas moved from eight to three and in 2018. Carolina moved from 11 to two, and we see that uh, last year the Blackhawks moved from 12 to three. Well, I'll tell you why that lottery was introduced. It was because the, the the competitive integrity of the league was being compromised, and so the league said, "If that's how you want to go about your business, we're going to put it. We're going to put in deterrence." So that's why we have the lottery that we have. And it's done because teams wanted to be irresponsible. And, you know, when you're in a competitive league, when you're paying players lots of money, when you're asking, uh, you know, significant money for ticket prices, you can't have it.
1: Do you think that this draft lottery should have been done after the play-ins or when they did it?
3: In hindsight, I think definitely that it should have been done after the play-in rounds. It did, you know, like... I know what the NHL was trying to accomplish with respect to trying to give some certainty, uh, to a team picking first, but you know, there there was nothing that was going to happen with respect with the two phase lottery and knowing what had happened in the three previous lotteries. There was every chance that a team was going to move into the top three. And, uh, you know, and that's exactly what we saw. So, you know, with, uh, with there now being, you know, the specter, and I know there can be, okay, this team, okay, who gets a shot at it? Could have been done cleanly right after the playing round, and you know, with both phases, okay, yeah. Now we have this phase. Now, oh, okay, one of these eight teams won it. Now they they have the uh, opportunity to get the first overall pick as we have the second draw. I just definitely feel that it, it would have been best served for the league
0: to hold off until the playing round is over. Matt, you had a question on, uh, on the prospects.
2: Yeah, so my question is um, how much will the draft be impacted without scouts being able to witness the CHL playoffs, Memorial Cup, the NHL Combine, et cetera?
3: Well, every team is in the same position. So, so no team has, has an advantage on any other team. Right? You know, the, the pause happened at the same time for every single team. So, you know, what you, what you have to rely upon now is that, you know, what information you have, the data, the intel you have on the players leading up to that stoppage uh, on, on May 12th, not they told March 12, excuse me. Uh, you know, that's that's the information you're going to have to go by. And, you know, you you have to, uh, each team, you know, believe that they have information or intel and data that can serve them better. Time will tell. But, you know, one of the things is that the combine serves a significant purpose, you know, for teams. You know, you, you get a group of players you might be considering. Strength and conditioning coach, physiologist comes in and says – you know, we think this player has a little bit more room to improve and you're concerned about, uh, you know, how good their skating is in, 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 in both these players. This guy has an edge. That becomes valuable information in terms of how you position a player at a certain point in the draft. So that's going to be lost for every team. And, and so you lose that, that data uh, from the, the, that's real from, in terms of strength and and, and, and physiology. You know, you also lose, you, you, as you point out, the playoffs, the U18, the NCAA playoffs, the Memorial Cup. You know, you, you, you've lost all of that. And that becomes a significant uh, tool for evaluation. So, uh, you know, I, I, every team would like to have that, but every team is in exactly the same boat with respect to, uh, you know, what they have to deal with. You know, you're going to have to go back to other competitive scenarios that they were in at younger ages. You're going to have to dive in, okay, if you have questions, uh, back to their midget coaches, to to, to their uh, coaches when they were competing internationally, to events when they're competing internationally, and try to pull that out uh, as a guideline for some of those areas you didn't get to evaluate.
2: Okay, thank you. That's, uh, that's a lot of information there, and I, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, one thing I just want to add about the, uh, the Memorial Cup and the uh, CHL playoffs, et etc., um, obviously it hurts the teams and it hurts the scouting um, departments not being able to witness the players, but it also affects the fans as well because we all know that that brand of hockey the Memorial Cup is usually just fast-paced, and it's, uh, it's kind of like watching the World Juniors, and it's some of the best hockey you're going to watch.
3: Well, I mean, when you think about the Memorial Cup, you know, you have a host team, and a host team is always trying to position themselves to, to be the best they possibly can. And, you know, that that, that sometimes doesn't always end up being the case, but it, it's not from lack of, of, of desire. And the other three teams that are in there are, are the league champions. So the quality of play, the quality of player, uh, the quality of team it, it is really, really high. And, you know, it's not just... Uh, in, in, in the hosting city it's right across the country there's so many people tune in and you know, people tune in in the United States as well to, to watch these up and coming players and that's not just for the draft that's players, you, like to, you like to evaluate your players that have been drafted in those environments as well so Absolutely. You know, for, for the fans to, to watch player A that their team drafted last year you know you, you miss out on that so it, it's a great point because it, it, it is a great level of hockey at that point in the year
1: Speaking of prospects, I got two questions here regarding two of the Montreal Canadiens prospects, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Do you think that was a the wrong pick by Montreal at the time, or do you think we just need to be patient for him to develop into what he's going to be? And do you see uh, Alexander Romanov uh, playing alongside Shea Weber? Okay, so we'll start with uh,
3: Jesperi. So Jesperi has a July birthday. And it's you know, the physical maturity and, uh, you know, is still ongoing. And uh, I think that there's no question that when Ysperry hits 21, even 22, he's going to be a lot more capable of handling things and being a lot more forceful. You know, he's such an exceptionally smart player that it allowed him to come into the league at 18 years of age and, and, and hold his own. But you know, one of the things that happens, you know, when you when you when you get a player that age, they don't. The the NHL doesn't allow you to develop those areas of your game that are still rough around the edges or unfinished to a certain degree. And I'm talking about his offensive prowess. So you know, he plays good defensively, but he went a long stretch uh, without scoring. He didn't score on the road, And, and those impact confidence. Then he comes back next year, uh, you know, this previous season, and now everybody's waiting for him. The other teams are waiting for him. They know what he's doing. And, and, and now he, he, he's trying to advance his game. At the same time, he's trying to hold his place. At the same time, he's trying to physically mature. Yeah. I'll, I'll be straightforward. I, I know that, yes, Terry thought Andy played me. He should have been in the NHL at 18. He should have been in Finland. He should have been developing his game at the junior level. He should have been coming dominant. I say this all the time, guys. The NHL is unforgiving. It will chew you up and spit you out like nothing if you're not ready. And the, like now, yes, Terry Kotkinenny has gone two seasons without being able to, to develop his offensive game. So what? You think next year, at 20, in his third year in the NHL, that, 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 that offensive game, this unfinished, rough around the edges, is going to come along? Listen, I, I say it and I say it unequivocally. NHL teams are as responsible for failing players as players are for failing on their own. And when you put an 18-year-old player in the, in the league and you don't allow him to develop properly, you're on the hook. You're on the hook for the development. It was a great pick as far as I'm concerned with team Emmy Now, I will say this. I think Ysberry Kotkanemi is going to find a way to come through this. And I think he's going to be a really good player for a lot of years for the Montreal Canadiens. But I'll tell you what. The development steps... We're not the right ones in my
1: view. Yeah, I, I, I believe that too. I think he should have at least went to Laval when he first came over or stayed in Finland, one or the other, or Finland, then Laval. Because, I mean, he showed in Laval this year. He's he's a point-per-game player, point per game player.
3: Yeah, he did. But, like, you know, like if you're not ready to play in the NHL at 18, the American Hockey League is a lot harder. And, I mean, you know, like, he played some in the SM League. Go and dominate your age level. Don't yeah. dominate, you, you, you know, your, your group and, and, you know, your peer group. And, and then go from there. Like, I, I say this all the time. I have seen far too many players try to get somewhere too soon and leave places. I haven't seen players stay too long and hurt themselves. You know, I know that there becomes an impatient factor, but that's, development has nothing to do with patience. And for yes, and Emmy, that's what you got to do. I, I can tell you this. We had some good teams when I was in Dallas. And we used to tell our players, our first-round draft picks, here's what's happening. And we used to tell them in our pre-draft interviews with all of them so they knew exactly what to expect. you are not playing any exhibition games. They're coming to camp. You're going when you, when to be there for a week. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to spend some time, and then we're going to work with you. And you're going back to the team. That, that, that you're playing for, and you're going to start there. And you might have teammates that come and play in the match and that play exhibition. We don't care. We don't care. This is what we're doing. And the players would get to camp, and they would see that the, they had a return the, the return ticket. We, we didn't mess around. And we told them straight up front, and then they were gone. They were gone after seven days. We never messed around with it.
1: So my other question, uh, Romanov, do you see him playing with Weber, or do you see him in like where do you see him next year?
3: Yeah, you know, like, you know, Alex Alexander's a really good player, and he's a confident player. But you know, coming to the NHL, you know, he's going to need some uh, some support. Now, you playing with Shea Weber. I mean, I don't know how the support becomes any better. And yeah. I think that Shea would be would be a, an excellent support player and complimentary player for Alex and keep them settled down. You know, part of development too, isn't just on the ice. It's also sitting next to your partner on the bench. And you know, that guy that can reach over and put his hand on your arm and say, Hey, just settle down there. You don't have to attack that rush. Hey, don't worry. You know what? I got you there. You don't have to run out of position there. You know what? It's all covered. Trust your winger. All those little things, that a player can gain by playing with an experienced top-level player like Shea Weber is it, it, beneficial. So, you know, it's not just on the ice. It's, it's being his partner, understanding what you do. It's, it's working on those repetitions uh, in practice that gets you that familiarity and you get comfortable with the uh, with the rhythms of one another. But uh, Alex is a, is, is a heck of a player, and I have no doubt in my mind that he'll find a way to contribute next season. But, you know, if you, if you push him up the lineup, I think he can handle things. But if he shows that he can't, you can also put him back in the spots where he can might maybe handle things a little bit because there's going to be some growing pains. But Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens had a, a terrific player in Alexander Romanoff.
0: Now, Craig, I've got a question about that. Uh, the importance of the leadership group's uh, example and mentorship, what kind of impact could that have on a young player like? Romanov, for instance.
3: Well, I mean, number one, I mean Alexander has played in a, in a good program in the KHL with with Suska, the Red Army. So you know, you know, when you're a younger player, and you're 18 years old, and you're playing in the KHL on a good team. There's expectations of you, and certainly he did that at 18 and 19 years of age. And so, so I think that you know he he's got a really good. Level of knowledge of, of what it means to hold your own on a team. Now you come over to the National Hockey League and you're playing for the Montreal Canadiens, and you know there'll, there'll be a pretty big spotlight on Alexander Romanoff because you know he, he's playing for the Montreal Canadiens, number one, and, and, and he's and he's a real promising young player. But you know I, I think that Alexander is a is a really steady person. He, he's going to absolutely benefit from from players that are older, wiser, can provide the different uh, uh, areas of guidance that he's going to need. And those, are, he's going to need those in between games. He's going to need those in the game. He's going to need them between periods. But when you have good, strong leadership around that can help a young player, uh, you know, be comfortable as, as he's getting acclimated to the NHL, it's a huge benefit. And, you know, by Evan Shea Weber, by Evan Jeff Petrie, those are huge benefits for for any young defenseman uh, coming into into the organization and certainly onto the team.
0: Now we were speaking about development and uh, leadership, and I think Treg, you had something on that.
1: Uh, yeah, so Lafreniere is going to be probably the first francophone number one pick since Vincent Lecavier in ninety
3: eight. Is no, there no no no, no. Mark Andre Fleury?
1: Oh, that's right, Mark Andre Fleury. You're you're right. Sorry about that. I missed. I forgot Hi, about Gavin. him. <laughs> I forgot about Mark. Um, my I guess what my question is 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 Quebec behind the rest of the country in developing their players? Because you don't see a, a francophone going number one now. You have a few threes and twos and fours, but. Is there a reason for that, or is there, like even when you look at the World Junior Championship, there seems to be a lot less francophone players on the teams. And I'm just wondering, does Quebec have a, a developmental issue, or is it just luck of the draw? Is it just the way it is? Yeah, no, I, I would say, number
3: one, the Quebec League is trying to stock 18 teams with a population. That is uh, far below uh, the area that Ontario draws from, and far below what the Western Hockey League draws from. So you know that makes it really challenging, you know, to uh, you know have uh, uh, to, to number one have an eight, have an eighteen team league. In my view, the, the 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 talent drops off. Number one, number two is that you know when you look at the population, you know the population uh, you know is 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 one where, you know, you can't expect per capita, that there's going to be as many French Canadians uh, in in, in the league, in the draft, as there are going to be Anglophones. Because the Anglophone population of Canada is far greater than the Francophone population of Canada. And that's the same uh, that goes with, uh, you know, with... uh, 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 you know, in hockey population. So, you know, when you start, when we start comparing uh, francophone players to the rest of Canada, I mean, the the, the the numbers just don't match up. So, I don't think I don't think it's fair to to for people to look at it and say, "No, Quebec's behind," or they don't they they, they don't have the same one. They don't have the same numbers, so they're they're not going to be at, at the same point. With with the rest of Canada, because now if, if they had equal amounts of francophones as, as in, in, in in Quebec as there are uh, anglophone Canadians in, in the rest of Canada, well then you could say okay okay why are they falling behind? But I think when you look at how you know the the French Canadian players and French Canadian players that have that have really performed well and continue to perform well will continue to be drafted. I mean, I, I, I think it falls in line. Now, we can always look at, you know, where where is development at the younger ages and I'm, I'm going back to Pee Wee and Bantam and Midgets and you know, you know, what's in place there. But that's a, that's a far deeper dive. I, I, I don't see any cause for concern. I mean, if you look at it, Alexi Lafreniere is gonna be the first Canadian and he's a French Canadian gonna be drafted and since Connor McDavid was drafted first overall in twenty sixteen. So, 2016 was Austin Matthews, and then 27 was Nico Hischer, a Swiss player, and then 2018 was Rasmus Darlene, and 2019 was Jack Hughes. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would suggest that if we want to look at Ontario, Ontario's going to have a five-year drought here. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we should look at Ontario not having a first overall pick for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, no, thanks. That's uh, That makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah. Um... I was just, I just something you don't look at when you look at population. You're just looking at players, and you say, "Why, why isn't there any?" And then that, but the population and the debt, and that makes perfect sense. That throws it yeah. out there.
3: Yeah, I think you have to look at that. And I, hey, listen, the, the Quebec League is proud, and you, you know French Canadians are proud. They, you know, they want to they want to see uh, a French Canadian player get drafted as high as possible, first overall. There's there's a notoriety to it, and I get that, but I I, I think that. You know, when you look at the overall picture of it, what I would say to you is I don't think there's a cause for concern. I mean... This year's NHL draft, when you start to go through Alexi Lafreniere, listen, Hendrix Lapierre ended up with some injury issues. I think he's healthy the whole year. He's a top-five pick. I think he's that good. But you start going through the Quebec League, and I'm going to talk about French-Canadian players. You know, Maverick Bork, who plays in Cheblandon, is a really good player. Jeremy Poirier, uh, playing in St. John, a really good player. So, to me, those are four players that, for me, are, are certain to go uh, in the first round. And, you know, and I haven't even mentioned Justin Barron in the Quebec League from Halifax. I haven't mentioned Dawson Mercer uh, from Chikoudami, uh you know, from Newfoundland, who's, who, who I think is going to be a, a first-round pick. All of a sudden, you have six players from the Quebec League, right, that come from Quebec and the Maritimes. That's a, that's a pretty big percentage Yeah, if you look at the overall picture of guys that I think are going to be
0: first-round draft picks. Yeah. Now, uh, Craig, we were talking about uh, Francophones being picked first overall, and in this draft there's that 12.5% chance that uh, Lafreniere ends up in, in Montreal. Do you think he has the temperament that could uh, allow him to be successful in his hometown?
3: I could say this about election. I've watched election since he was 15 years of age. The bigger the game, the brighter the spotlight, the greater the challenge. <laughs> He's right there at every turn. Listen, you know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't root for anybody to lose. But if Montreal doesn't get past the playing around, I I don't think there could be a better place for Alexi Lafreniere and for the National Hockey League, the Montreal Canadiens. A French-Canadian player, you know, coming to the Montreal Canadiens, it would be phenomenal. It would be fantastic, I think. And Do I think that Alexi would have any problem adjusting to the spotlight and the the glare uh, that that shines on the Montreal Canadiens? Not one bit. I haven't seen him ever, ever. Fall short under the greatest challenges, under the biggest moments. He's
0: always delivered. That'd be amazing. As a uh, as the lone francophone yeah, on the show, you, uh, I'm kind of hoping for that. <laughs>
3: um, like I said, I think it would be great for the national hockey league. I think it would be great for uh, you know Canadian hockey. I, I think it would be phenomenal to, to the kid that grows up and saves fast Aren't y'all Canadian fan? It sounds
0: like Montreal Canadian. off oh. that's like a, a John you- Tavares pajama time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you'd have to dig up a few of those pictures,
3: wouldn't it? <laughs> Craig,
1: do you see if another uh, team, like say Toronto, gets the top pick, and they lose the play against the top pick? Do you see them going with a uh, someone not like a defenseman?
3: Well, I mean, I mean, Toronto has forever been looking for this right-shot defenseman that can be a number one. So certainly, Jamie Drysdale fits the bill in every regard. And uh, He's a homegrown kid, you know, from the Toronto area. So uh, does the possibility exist? Yeah. I still think Alexa Lafreniere is the best player. But, uh, you know, you, you, your offensive, you're, and, and Jamie certainly is a complete defenseman, uh, it, like I wouldn't sit there and go, geez, that, that's a surprise pick. But yeah, could Toronto uh, take that pass? Yeah, potentially they could. Maybe Toronto makes a trade with Montreal.
1: <laughs> That'd be a hell of a trade.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe they say, hey, we're going to go and you, 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 you know you give us this plus your first round pick, and uh, you can have the first pick and take yeah
0: <laughs> They'd have to rename half the island of Montreal after Toronto.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All the things you wanted, the, the things that make fun, speculate that can be speculation.
0: But isn't that kind of what the NHL wanted out of this, uh, with the draft when it was, and how it turned out? It couldn't have worked out any better, couldn't it? What do you mean? Well, when they when they had that placeholder card come out, and it ended up one. I mean, they couldn't have scripted it any better.
3: Oh, yeah, they could. They, the idea of having the draft in was to give certainty to one of those to, to those seven teams, uh, and specifically one of those seven teams picking one so that they could give their fans a basis. So, you know, for for the, the NHL didn't want a placeholder team to, to win the lottery. Trust me on that one.
0: Well, the sidebar is that they, they do generate some more excitement from 16 other cities. So not all bad.
3: Absolutely. I'm not saying that that's not, a, that that's not an ancillary benefit, but, uh, you know, the goal was to give, you know, one of those teams, I mean, the idea of the draft is to, is to reward your weakest teams with a chance to get the best player. And, you know, that's why the draft has been set up that way. And, you know, with, with seven teams being eliminated uh, from, the, from the continuation of the 2019-20 season, uh, you know, the, 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 this was an idea to try to help uh, these teams, you know, have some certainty. The Germans now, now there's certainty for LA, and I mean the seven teams have certainty. But you, 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 no, nobody can start marketing the second pick. You could have started marketing the first pick if you if you knew where you were at. Hmm.
0: True. Yeah. Now you mentioned the Kings; they're the next biggest winner, um, and they've got the next choice. So, what kind of uh, what kind of tiers are they looking at for their pick?
3: Yeah, I think, I think there's 12 or 13 high-level players. Now, I've got to, I've got to give you my definition of high-level players. Number one goaltender, that's a scar off. Top pair of defensemen, Drysdale and Sanderson. And first-line forwards. And whether it's Byfield or Lafreniere or Lucas Raymond or Marco Rossi or uh, Alexander Holtz or Cole Perfetti, they're all front-line players. So... You know, I don't see a, I don't see any drop off in the quality and level of player through 12, 13. That's a, that, that's where I see it at. And then, and maybe somebody else sees it at 15 or 16. Maybe somebody sees it at 10. But you know, for the LA Kings who are who who are, who have a really you know uh, excellent uh, prosper prospect covered, uh, you know they're going to be able to add a, a, a real real good player. You know, I compared Quentin Byfield to Andre Kopitar. Well, how nice would it be? to add a, a, an anti Kopitar player to learn from Andrew Kopitar. Well, I mean, they could go with a number one defenseman, and that's how I see Jamie Drysdale. Well, how nice would it be to draft a number one defenseman like Jamie Drysdale to learn from Drew Doughty? And, you know, and you, you look at Tim Stutzler, or you look at Cole Perfetti, you know, I compare Stutzler to Patrick Kane. And in terms of type of player, I'm not saying that they are. There's only one Patrick Kane. But I see Stutzler as a, as a Patrick Kane type player. I see Perfetti as an Artemi panarin type player. Well, uh, I mean, you can put those four names in a hat. Like you, I don't, I don't see how you can go wrong picking one of them at two.
1: Who do you see the Habs picking at nine? I mean, I know it's just, it all depends on who's available, but who do you think are maybe like the top three guys you think the Habs would be looking at for ninth if they if they pick ninth?
3: I can only tell you this. Based on looking at the draft and looking at where the Montreal Canadiens are, I think Jack Quinn is the best goal scorer in this draft. The way he plays the game reminds me of David Paschal. And I don't think the Montreal Canadiens, if they can get the best goal scorer in the draft last year in Cole Caulfield, the best goal scorer in this year's draft in Jack Quinn, I think they would be setting themselves up big uh, for the future. Adding significant goal scoring, significant area of their team that I think needs addressing. Because uh, you can you're work hard. You can be coached well. If you don't have the, if you don't have the ability to score and get on the right side of the of of, of the game uh, when it counts and at the end of the game, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how good your goaltending is. It doesn't matter how good your coaching is. You need goal scoring. Montreal doesn't have nearly enough of it.
1: That was your pick there, Blaine Jack Quinn.
0: Yes, it was.
1: I was Cole Perfetti, so.
3: Wow, Pete! Look, you know, I can only tell you this: Cole Perfetti, I think, is an excellent player, and I, I don't think they could go wrong with him because, you know, when I compare Cole Perfetti to Artemi Panarin, who doesn't want Artemi Panarin?
1: Yeah, exactly. But but you're right. If they can get Caulfield and uh, Jack Quinn, you pretty much got two forty potential fifty goal scorers on your team.
3: In the future. Well, you know, again, we it's projection. And I yes, like, yes. last year I thought Cole was the best goal store in the draft. I think Jack's the best goal store in the draft. And yeah. you know, and and, and and you start to add that element of the game. Now, now you start to push your team further along. It takes some of the pressure off of off of your other skilled players. And you know, when you when you rely on too few for too much at some point in time, you're you're going to you're you're going to run short. The Vancouver Canucks, and I think the Vancouver Canucks are, are a little similar, uh, you know, a year ago to where Montreal was at. You know, they had Elias Pettersson and they had Brock Besser and they had Bo Horvat, but they ran out of juice in March because they relied on too few for too much. So what does Jim Benning do? He goes and adds Tanner Pearson. He goes and adds. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, and, and and Quinn Hughes comes into in the lineup, and, and now and J T Miller in a trade. So now all of a sudden you, you have you have supported your 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 core group, your core young group. Now you've added some more in, and now you don't run short. Now you're you're able to balance your lineup. You're not relying on, on 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 too few players. And inevitably, you know, when you think about Montreal, who who were really pushing along not this season but the season before, I mean, they just ran dry. And and it wasn't one player; it was a few players. And when you don't have the backup, it just becomes too much to overcome. When you add scoring in those areas, I think they have. Uh, the, the defense area covered off in a lot of areas in terms of players coming and players that can contribute they don't have in my view they don't have enough they don't have enough offense yeah
0: now craig yeah, exactly. um, i think uh, <laughs> we've taken up quite a bit of your time but i would like to give you an opportunity to uh to plug anything you'd like uh, mention anything you want to mention uh, the show's yours for the next However long you want it.
3: So. No, I mean, I am mean, uh, well, okay. I mean, I don't need to uh, plug anything. I, uh, you know, I got, you know, my hair is gray. I don't use brief and formula, <laughs> so I'm not going to uh, plug uh, anything for that regard. You know, uh, you know, it's fun, and I want to make sure that I've answered questions that you guys have had. You know. You know, my time is uh, is still uh, is still there for you. If there's some more questions, I, I have time for it. And, you know, I'm more than happy to spend some more time with
0: you. Oh my goodness,
3: that's the plug I
0: have. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, I, I got one. Got one uh, the challenges that are fi- being faced by the media now uh, in this new COVID world. Uh, what kind of what kind of workarounds do you see working for you? In your position at TSN
3: Well I mean You know a lot, of, a lot of our work is done in the building From a broadcast point of view uh, You know Our work is done in the, in, in the Studio with our analysts' uh, Work and you know In the absence and because I do uh, The prospects and the scouting You know I'm, I'm in ranks. But you, you, you know for, for what I do in terms of you know, gathering the information and being at the games and broadcasting. Well, if we don't have junior games and we don't have international tournaments and, uh, you know, the American Hockey League doesn't start and, you know, depending on what happens with the NHL here, you know, you're not in those places. And and that's something that we that, that certainly I've become accustomed to. It's something that has that, that, that become very important for my work you know, yeah, you, you you can watch games and call games off the tube, and yeah, you can you can watch players off the video, but but, but it's not the same. And you know, and I, I'm not anticipating that we are going to be in this scenario forever. I, I'm confident in the medical experts that they're going to find you know treatments and therapies and and hopefully a vaccine somewhere where we can be back. Where we can gather in arenas and cheer on our favorite team and take in the emotions uh, of the fans and and be into junior ranks and be into college ranks and international games where we can you know try to try to evaluate the players and you know and, and the players can get excited and bring that emotion to the game you know that's what I'm hopeful for I mean like everybody else we we, we have to we have to find different ways to do our work at this, at this moment in time. And I think we're well positioned. I mean, we've done things remotely uh, in in a lot of different areas. And so I think we're a little bit more accustomed. but ideally, you know, you want to be in the, in the, in in the places, uh, you know, where the action is happening, you know, and it's, it's no different than, you know, we, we've seen with, with so many, uh, students graduating university and college or high school, like, yeah, you know, they have virtual graduations. It's not the same as being, you know, with your with your friends and your classmates and celebrating a significant achievement. And yeah, we can still celebrate it, but that feeling of being together and knowing that you're you're part of something that can be really special, you know, that's something that we all strive for and we all enjoy. So. You know, in the meantime, we'll, we'll try to do our best to, to provide the insight and provide the information and analysis. That's what we're going to do in the return to play. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, that I'm going to have a, an opportunity to be in, the, in, in one of the hub cities watching the games. There won't be any fans there, but it's important for us to bring, uh, you know, the intensity of the game and what's happening in the game to the fans that are watching on TV.
0: Now, Craig, you mentioned the return to play, and – there's talk of perhaps the CHL and the AHL being able to start around the same time. How big of a deal would that be? Not just for hockey fans, but for the development of players.
3: I think you nailed it. It's for the development of the players. You know, you, you know, young players. You know, are going through. Uh, you know, what's wrong? You know, they're, they're, they're used, and when I say young. I'm talking fourteen-year-olds to twenty-two-year-olds. You know, you know where they're at. You know wh- where they're trying to push. How they judge themselves. You know how they evaluate where they're at in the development cycle as they're moving up to the next level. You know, even when we think about the pause in the NHL, you know, a, a, a lot of players that would have been called up and played the last ten, twelve, whatever, fourteen games for their team. You know they don't get that opportunity, which leads into their training and development in the summer. Because now they, oh boy, I got to get quicker, I got to be stronger here. And for the young players, where, where, where development is it, it can can it's not only continuous, but but it can go in in, in spurts where you, you go along, go along, and then you have this bump up in your development because you have this. Uh, maturity or understanding of, of, of certain things, and then you, you're able to apply it. And you, you, you know it's no different than being in school, where you're studying you're studying and studying, you're not sure about the subject matter, and then you get the test, and you know go, I got it. And, and and that's what the young players need. They need these tests along the way, whether they be pop quizzes or tests. And without them, you know it it, it does it does delay. Uh, development because you can do virtual training and tell players the players need to go through it and so you know it, it's incredibly important for the players to try to uh, be in an environment uh, where they can play and compete and test themselves against competition so if the chl the american hockey league and the ncaa schools and the european teams can start even without fans That'll be really important
0: for the development of the players. Well, thank you, Craig. Uh, Matt, you had a question.
2: So I've got a question, and it's to do with the uh, the face of the Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price. Um, this season, the Montreal Canadiens' backup goalies managed only four wins total, which is a staggering number, uh, between Charlie Lindgren, Caden Primo, Keith Kincaid. Do you believe the Montreal Canadiens have someone currently in their system that can back up Carey Price next season, or do you believe Mark Bergevin is going to go out, possibly make a trade or sign a free agent to fill that position? Maybe for one more year until somebody like Caden Primo is fully NHL ready, or do you believe he's ready now? I
3: don't think Caden's ready. I, I I'd like to see Caden play another year in the American Hockey League and really developing, and, and you're not going to develop as a backup. You know, you need to, uh, you need to learn outside of the, of, of the glare and of the challenges. Goaltenders are no different than other players, you know. They, they need to build up their confidence and their understanding uh, of how to play and how quick the game is, and, and they have to master the different levels. So I, I think that, that Caden staying in the American Hockey League is the absolute best move for him Now, you know, Mark did sign the uh, Russian goaltender who's had success over in the KHL to a certain degree. So, what I would say is, you know, you know you have Carey Price. You absolutely know that you need more wins out of your backup goaltender because there's two parts to that. Number one is you don't want to you don't want to tax Carey to the greatest extent possible, where he starts pacing himself because players know, well, oh, I better pace myself here. That hurts your team. You know, proper rest is really important for performance. And you don't want him to run out of, uh, out of gas at a point in the season. So I think it's incumbent upon Mark to, to find a goaltender that not only can come in and play 20 to 25 games, at the very minimum 20 games, but 25 games not, might be ideal were, and, and and expect to get at least 10 wins out of there. Darryl Sutter, you know, I, I always have, he, he used to tell his backup goaltenders, you're not playing tonight uh, just to give the, the, the starting goalie a breather. You're also playing tonight to get our team a win. and That's what I expect from you. That's They need a goaltender in there that can do that, that the team has confidence in. The Russian goaltender might be a guy. And failing that, The Mark has to have an answer for another guy to come in and be able to play that many games and deliver the wins. It's it's not just about playing the games. It's about delivering the wins. Absolutely.
0: Now, um, Craig, I had another question. Uh, The flat cap, um, will it be beneficial for Montreal? You were mentioning a backup goaltender. Maybe they could use that flat cap to help them bring someone in.
3: Well, it's not just a flat cap. It's, it's it's what the flat cap does to teams that are at the camp, right? It, it, it squeezes them, and, and, and it puts them in positions where they're going to have to make decisions on certain players. And for a team, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens specifically, they have lots of cap space, right? So n- not only can they look at adding players, but, but there are opportunities to, to look around the league of teams that, that might be uh, having some challenges they are going to have to uh, free up some of their players. You know, Montreal now in a great position. They, they have draft picks. They have young players and prospects. And, you know, when, when teams are, that are at the cap now are dealing with a flat cap, they're going to be stressed uh, financially and, and, and salary-wise. They're going to have to make these difficult decisions. When you have cap space, now you can explore all those opportunities, and they're not just for the backup goaltender. They're in multiple areas. And Mark Bergevin now finds himself in a position. And, and, and you know there was a great debate this year, and discussion, and, and, and even some disdain uh, for Mark not spending more because he had all this cap space. But I can tell you now, the fact that he does have lots of cap space, and it gives him opportunities that a lot of teams don't have and won't have for uh, a season for sure, and what I believe will be a couple of seasons at the very least.
1: Do you see Bergevin doing another uh, uh, offer sheet to an RFA, or do you see him using the cap to try to, like with Tampa Bay or Toronto or someone up close to the cap trying to make a trade where he can get one of their uh, uh, better players that uh, has a high salary?
3: You well know, that's what I would say. I would I would say it's the latter, I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Mark Mark took a, Mark took a, a swing at the at the offer sheet and you know, and, you know, Sebastian Ajo was a really good player. And uh the Carolina Hurricanes knew that as well. And you know, at the at the end of the day, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I, I, I don't I don't I don't think that the offer sheet that Mark put in was was uh was not representative of Sebastian Ajo's ability and his talents and what he was going to be able to produce. So, you know, and I think Carolina looked at it the same way, but, you know, I, I think, you know, because the opportunities are going to be plentiful and and with respect uh, to teams that are right up against the cap that don't have any flexibility, he's going to have a free agency. of time. you know, you look at RFAs and you might be tempted on a, on uh on, on a offer sheet, but I think there's going to be many many opportunities from multiple places and opportunities we don't even know about that are going to rise. And you know, if you don't have the cap space and you don't have the flexibility, you're never going to be able to to partake in those discussions. Yeah. Mark and the Montreal Canadiens have that opportunity now, and I think that that's a significant opportunity, you know, for for them now to take their team to another level and, you know, add players, not, not a player, players that can really help this team be competitive. Do now, you we, think- talked about it we talked about the window of Price and Weber. Well, because of COVID-19 and because of the pause and because of the pandemic and because of the flat cap, well, guess what? The window for uh, for Carey Price and Shea Weber, whatever you want to think it is, but let's just say it's two years, because of it, and because of the cap space, Mark has great opportunity here to give those guys uh, a better opportunity to compete for a Stanley Cup.
1: Do you think the offer sheet hurt Mark Bergevin dealing with other GMs, or is that a myth? a myth.
3: I mean, yeah. listen, what... like, here's the whole idea, I'll tell you this, okay? There's no GM in the league just trying to help another GM. Okay? It's competitive. The Montreal Canadiens are trying to do what's best for the Montreal Canadiens. You know what? You're trying to you're trying to assess what your team needs, whether it be in a trade, a draft pick, an offer sheet, whatever it may be. Right? You don't owe anything to any other team. So if another GM wants to be mad because Mark Bergerman put in an offer sheet, well, too bad. Go cry in, in your little corner. You know, maybe we'll give you a soother and we'll put you in the playpen. And you know, when you're when you're finished being a baby, you can put you can come back into the league and understand that you know what these are part of the rules. And if somebody can take advantage of them, uh, that helps their team, that's all well and dandy. You know, I, I have no time for the whining and the pouting that come from front offices. Because usually the whining and pouting that comes from front offices also come from the losing organizations.
0: So you don't expect any uh, barroom fights and, on this one?
3: And so what I hear, t- but, but Carolina, they didn't whine and cry. They just went, they had fun with it. They, they keep poking fun at it. They they matched the offer. They didn't it.
1: Yeah.
0: So you don't uh, no, uh, you don't expect a a Brian Burke style uh, Donnie Brook out of this one. Well,
3: the first thing is that Brian Burke never had a Donnie Brook, <laughs> and you know what? At the end of the day, you know an yeah. offer sheet is an offer sheet. It's yeah. part of the it's part of the CBA, and there's nothing that says you can't use it. And and quite frankly. Like, I mean, Brian Burke, all he's trying to do, in my view, when he talks like that, is he's trying to intimidate some GMs from putting in an offer sheet. And again, if a GM wants to be weak enough to to fall for that, I wouldn't want him to be the GM of my team.
0: Perfect. So do you expect, uh, with this window now, because of COVID and the flat cap, if you were in Bergevin's position, would you see this as your perfect opportunity to to take your team to make that giant leap?
3: Yeah, you know, we talk about giant leaps sometimes. I I don't think it has to be a giant leap because I think Montreal has a lot of elements. You know, I used the Vancouver Canucks as an example earlier. You know, in March of 2019, at the trade deadline of 2019, Jim Benning traded for Tanner Pearson. At the draft, he... Uh, traded for J.T. Miller. And then this year, at the trade deadline, or just bar to traded for Tyler Tafoli, you already had Elias Patterson. He already had Quinn Hughes in, in the fold. You already had Bo Horda. You know, they had dropped it out and go get. Uh, in, in a 6 round pick, you know, at, at Northeastern played with Caden Primo. You know, they, they 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 signed a couple of free agent defensemen and, and former Canadian Jody Ben, but Tyler Myers because they had money, and and that, and that really lifted their team. Again, I don't think Montreal needs you, you know four players to come in that that have to score and play defense and everything. When you add different players and you give support to your team, and and you have players that are still very good, that are young and getting better, and, and you have a good prospect pool, you're not you're not you're not forcing young players that aren't ready into your lineup. Now with the with the salary ca- with the salary cap flexibility that Mark has, there's tremendous opportunity, and it's opportunity that's come along that nobody could anticipate, but. You can't take advantage of it if you haven't left yourself the flexibility. Part of managing in the National Hockey League, I, I hear this all the time, you've got to spend it a cap. It's false. No, you don't spend it a cap or over to the cap. You need to leave yourself flexibility to take advantage of opportunities because if you don't, you're never going to be able to, to, to look at opportunities that could benefit your team. Mark has that now. And he has it because of the flexibility on his cap. I think one of the big fallacies, and I hear it, is, oh, you got to spend to the cap. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ultimately, it puts you into trouble in the the vast majority of cases. You've got to manage the cap properly. You've got to leave yourself flexibility. He's done that. Now he's going to be able to take advantage of some opportunity.
1: So in closing here, Craig. What is your prediction for the Stanley Cup? Who do you think is winning the Stanley Cup?
3: Well, here's what I think. So I'm going to start off here is that when you go back to the trade deadline, the teams made their their moves. They all added the teams that thought they had a legitimate shot at the Stanley Cup, they added players. The teams that didn't think they had a shot at the playoffs at the Stanley Cup, they shed players. So so everything was, you you know, you go back to that amount of time. Everybody's healthy for the most part. There, there might be a handful of players that aren't healthy or aren't going to be capable, but for the most part, all the players are healthy. And the coaches have worked with this group. Yeah, I, I know that it's been four months. It's going to be four and a half months or so before they start playing. And, you know, we look at But in the offseason, players have left. You know, when Cole Julian left back in uh, March 12th, is, is, is exactly what he's coming back to. And, and that's the same for John Cooper and Bruce Cassidy and Craig Berube and, uh, you know, uh, Peter DeBoer in Vegas. So right now, I think the clear advantage goes to the best teams because, you know, the, 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 the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche, they added to their teams. They have a key, They have teams that are not only uh, stronger, uh, you know, at, from the deadline on, but the coaches have worked with that group of players. So I really don't see, uh, you know, any Cinderella stories coming through this year uh, into the conference final. Could, could, could there be a, a team move into the uh, the round of eight? Yeah, there could be. But I think I think this setup favors the best teams. So, All right. if you ask me who I think is going to win, I, yeah. I, I'm bet, I'm putting my money on on the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Ooh, Tampa Bay. I got Edmonton. I'm going for a long shot.
3: <laughs> hey, listen, Edmonton was whatever they were. They ended up fifth in points percentage, so they just fell out of uh, the seeding round into the playing round. But you you, you know, when you when you have outstanding players, you have an excellent coach. You know, yeah, they they could uh, they could go on. And I I don't see the West as 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 high end as the East. So you know, if they get on a roll with those top players, you know, it might not be as uh, a long shot as you think.
1: Well, Craig, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. And it was, it's been just a pleasure talking to you. I mean, I could talk hockey all night, but uh, I think my wife might get mad at me. So uh, <laughs> uh, I want to thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we would love to have you back another time. Um, and uh, uh, take care. And uh, hopefully things will get back to normal soon. And we'll see more of you on, uh, well, we're going to see more of you on the television anyway when the uh, season starts back up.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I really, uh, I really enjoy, uh, you know, talking uh, about the players and the teams, and in this case, the Montreal Canadiens and their prospects. And absolutely, would love to join you again uh, uh, when you uh, decide that uh, there's an opportunity for me and you want to chat a little more.
1: Sure thing. All right. Thanks a lot, Craig. And uh, you have a you have a good night. You have a good one, and hopefully, we'll talk soon.
3: Yeah. All the best to all of you too. Thanks.
0: And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.